Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Hello and welcome to the Hoopball DFS Today podcast. It is Thursday, August 6th, and I'm joined by none other than the wonderful Aaron Asmus. And I am your host, Mike Patra, and we're here to break down uh, five-game main slate, but we also have that one uh, that one standalone uh, captain's mode game. So uh, we're going to have six games to talk about, but let me talk, Aaron. How are you? How are you doing, brother? I know uh, this is going to be your first podcast with us. So uh, for those of you that don't know Aaron, uh, he also contributes on the writing end over here at Hoopball for DFS. So if you're a premium member, you've probably seen uh, a few of his articles in our layup lines and doing some good things over here and happy to have you aboard. But uh, how are you feeling, man? Yeah, man, I'm, ex- I'm excited, excited to be on the podcast and get to get to talk to about a slate. Um, unfortunately, had a little bit of technical difficulties last week, but now we're we're kind of fully into this thing and um, just ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like one of those uh, circumstances where you know the computer the computer malfunctioned on you, so it's <laughs> like you know you signed the contract. We just needed you to pass the physical, uh, and you passed the physical. Now, man, you got the doctors checked you out. You're good to go. They said you could jump on that. You could jump on air now. So the computers. That's the computer's it. I'm ready good. to get some minutes. <laughs> That's it. We're getting we're sliding you into the rotation. Uh, the the young rookie over here looking to eventually earn himself a nice spot now, but we uh, we we got some good games to talk about, man. I'm happy to have you on the show. Uh, P, I think our listeners are going to look forward to hearing a lot more of you. I've read a lot of these articles you've wrote. I've talked to you several times now. Uh, great kid, uh, you know, and I know you know your stuff. But why don't you tell every every one of our listeners a little bit something else about you? Maybe where you're from, favorite NBA team, and uh, maybe a, a fun fact. I always like to get the fun the fun facts in there. Sure. Um, well, unfortunately, my favorite team uh, are the Sacramento Kings, uh, who kind of decided not to really show up to the bubble. You know, they started 0-3 while kind of every other kind of that fringe playoff team is playing really well. Um, so kind of, thank goodness I have DFS. Let's, <laughs> let's just put it that way. Um, and kind of a fun fact about me, I would say I was a music major in college as well as a journalism major. So I decided to double major, kind of put, put my feet in two different pools. Double major. Better than me, man. I, I, had, a, <laughs> I had a major and I had a cognate and a, a minor. I was not going to double major, though. Uh, I had to do too many of the internships and bartending, right, right. Uh, late nights, all that good, all that good jazz. But uh, nonetheless, we both, we both, I think we got it done. I got it done. So I, I'm good with it. <laughs> I hope. But I give you, I give you a lot of credit, man. That's tough studies. Uh, two, two majors. It's a lot of classes, a lot of stuff to juggle. It just goes to show that you, you put your time and effort into the things you want to do. And that's another reason why we're happy to have you over here, man, at Hoopball. So 
We'll jump right into this. Nah, man, of course, of course. I think everybody else is going to learn to love you as well. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this first standalone game. Uh, obviously, it's, it's by itself, so it's a showdown site. Uh, so we're going to have to you know, take it in the perspective of you know, the captain's mode. And that right. game is going to be the New Orleans Pelicans going against the Sacramento Kings, your Sacramento Kings, 233 over under. Uh, Pelicans are actually being favored by four. Not, not much of a surprise. You just said it. Your Kings are 0-3 right now. But uh, we'll start with this New Orleans team. Uh, Zion's back, looking like he's getting a little bit of a minutes increase. Played 25 in the last one. But, um, you know, where would you go? I guess we'll start off with, I guess, is anybody on this Pelicans team looking, at to, looking to be your captain? Yeah, I think I think it'd probably be the high minutes guys. Um, I think kind of the generally in these showdown slates, um, especially if I'm looking for like an optimal cash game, I'm looking. I'm just I'm more often than not looking to get kind of the highest projection guy. So the two guys who stand out for me are going to be Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram. Um, just the guys who I, I feel confident they're going to get the minutes. They're going to get the shots. Um, and just, I can feel, I can feel comfortable in the role they're going to have, you know, with, with Zion, uh, he's, the Kings aren't a good defensive matchup for him, but, and he has been slowly ramping his minutes up, but he's still someone where we just don't know where that, that minutes cap is going to exactly be. Is it 25 again? Is it going to be 28? Is it going to be 22? Are they going to, you know... Are they going to bring him down a little bit? Um, so I think for captains for New Orleans side, I'm going to look to Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram. Just the two guys I think are going to have the best raw projection. Yeah, I can't, I can't knock you for that. I mean, both these guys, absolute studs. I think they have that high floor, but still that you know breakthrough ceiling where you can see each, either one of them get 50 or 60. Uh, the guy I actually have eye on is, is neither one of them for the captain spot, but he's still on this Pelicans team. And I'm looking at Lonzo Ball. Um, Lonzo just plays 10 times better than Zion on the court. Zion's slowly getting his minutes ramped up. You know, first game that we've seen Zion actually play a decent role in a decent amount of minutes. Uh, we see a guy like Lonzo come out there and, you know, played fairly well. Uh, you know, he, he didn't go come out and blow the roof off the doors necessarily. Uh, but he also dropped 55 against his team earlier in the year. So he's played well against them before he managed to put up almost a triple-double against them. Uh, 24 actual points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. So really good game. Stuffed in a couple defensive stats as well. And as soon as Zion starts to get a little bit more healthy is when I, I was really going to gravitate towards Lonzo. We, we start to see, uh, see a little bit of the usage slide away from Ingram and go over to Zion. And, you know, if you played 25 in the last game, I anticipate a floor of at least 24. They need to win. Ceiling of probably you know, 28 to possibly even 30. So... Right. I, I like Zion. I like all four of these guys. That, you know, at the end of the day, we can't play all four of them. So, you know, looking at a guy like Lonzo uh, and Zion, I think might not be a bad option because you know. I think Lonzo is the great, the great tournament pivot off those guys because he's just a little bit cheaper, and he's just a far more volatile player. So, a lot of, um, a lot of people are going to kind of be thinking the way I am that you know Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram are kind of just your more quote-unquote safer options there you know they're the guys locked in you know Lonzo you know in this restart you know he hasn't he hit 35 minutes in the last game but his minutes have been kind of up and down I think he had one game 20 24 minutes his and against the Clippers 27 minutes against the Jazz 
Um, so I, I think he, he would be the great tournament pivot. Yeah, that, yeah, I think you're right. And that just goes to show you I'm more of a, I'm more of the GPP kind of guy. Um, the only other guy other than the four main guys that we just mentioned that's really kind of standing out to me would be a guy like J.J. Redick. Um, I love targeting shooting guards against your Kings, man. They've been making me money for quite some time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> J.J. Redick fits that mold, especially when it's one of those must-win games. you got to expect that they're going to have their shooter on the court, especially if they're trailing. Uh, played 29 minutes in the last one. He's not shy. When he gets over 25 minutes, he's shooting. So the two games that he's played over 26 minutes since returning in the bubble, uh, he's shot at least 15 and 11 times. Both those games, he hit value, 23 and 30 DK points. I like the matchup, so 4K. Uh, actually, you know, 4K is not a bad price tag. Uh, I think I'm think we're looking at like probably like a 20-point floor with that 30-point ceiling somehow in there. So, you know, rounds in out your lineup. Plates, let me ask you how, do you, how do you feel about you know, playing a guy like JJ in the captain and then just getting to load up on the rest of the studs. It really matters about, you know, the player and the matchup. So I, I don't mind it as like the price and the player. I have a lot of confidence in JJ, uh, but you know, 30 points in the captain spot will be great, but you, you, it would make more sense for me if I'm paying up for more Kings. Um, I don't think there's a lot of mm. Kings that we're going to necessarily be paying up for. So if there's a couple other expensive guys on the other side, I wouldn't mind doing that. But I think most of the value and most of the ownership in this game is going to come from the New Orleans side. And it's probably rightfully so. It's just a little bit more confidence. in it. You know, we're not really trusting Buddy Heald. We just got burned by Bogdanovich. We've seen Belicia's minutes be up and down. Same thing with Holmes, with Alex Lundback. So, I mean, we're going to get to the Kings in a second. Uh, but there's just, you know, there's four very, very viable options that can easily gets you 50 DK points plus on the Pelicans, being Lonzo, Drew, um, Ingram, and Williams, Williamson, Zion. Uh, but, on, you know, you look at Sacramento, you're, you're pretty much looking at two, and you need Holmes. Holmes being one of them needs 30-plus minutes to get you there. So that's, yeah, so I like him, but probably, like I just said, I don't, th- I don't think I'd make him my captain in this kind of game script. Gotcha. Okay. What about Sacramento, man? That's your team. I'm expecting some uh, some some hard hitting stuff. What can we expect from these Kings? Yeah, I mean the obvious guy is is uh, De'Aaron Fox, who's cheaper than the kind of the three captains we talked about on the Pelicans. And I mean the guy, he's just locked in. He's um, just he he looks good. He looks quick on the court. He's getting to the rim, um, and he's kind of the only King you can really trust right now. Just Bogdan has been really inconsistent. Buddy has been incredibly inconsistent with his shot. Uh, just kind of everything's everything's flowing through him. You know, he has twenty. He had twenty-seven shots against Dallas. He had thirty-three shots against San Antonio. Uh, Thirty-nine and thirty-eight minutes in those games. Um, and you know, I I think the Kings are personally out of it. But you know, this is a game where you know if they want to keep any semblance of hope alive, they have to win. So I, you know, they Walton has to has to rely on Fox. He's got to get all his guys just kind of maximum capacity minutes, and then um, just keep those playoff hopes alive. So I'm I'm looking at De'Aaron Fox, and then I've been playing with Sean Holmes a lot, unfortunately, um, in the restart, and he's <laughs> he, he just hasn't he just kind of hasn't looked like the same guy. I don't know if he's out of rhythm or you know he's just maybe it's just lack of practice time, maybe the ten day quarantine away from the team. Kind of screwed up his rhythm a little bit. I'm not sure, but uh, I, I think his, his price tag, 6,200, is you know for you know the guy we saw during this season. That's that's just too cheap in this format. Um, so I think he could be kind of a little more contrarian of a, a captain option if you want to fit more studs in. 
And then outside of that, it's like I'm I'm not interested in 9K Bielita. This is not a good matchup for him against, you know, having to defend Zion. And then when they go small, um, Harrison Barnes just has been refusing to shoot. And he's kind of just been a guy out there. Um, Kent, Bazemore, Kent Bazemore has looked pretty good, but he's kind of expensive. Um, so I... I think it's probably at this, and then you know Bogdan and Buddy Hield. You, I guess you could go there if they find their shot, um, but that's I wouldn't do that in any sort of optimal lineup. I'd be looking as kind of a more contrarian, kind of uh, MME type of play, getting them in the captain spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, I think I'm with you with as far as a lot of these kings are a little difficult to play, uh, just very up and down. I, I do like, I mean, up pace matchup. Uh, so we have to understand that all these guys are getting the boost. I don't mind the homes play. Uh, I just can't get on board unless I see him play more minutes. It's just right. twenty. It's been twenty-four minutes. It seems like every game, and it caps him. Um, I actually probably would, would prefer a guy like Leeds. I think he's going to get abused on defense, absolutely. Um, but they're also going to need him, and they're going to need him, you know, desperately. They're not going to want to throw homes at, at a guy like Zion, and they're going to spend a lot of time with him on favors. And I mean, Len's working his way back. Harry Giles can play in there too. Uh, but they're going to need to stretch the floor, and I think that's going to be very crucial for them in this game is going to be their outside shooting. So, uh, you know, looking at some of those perimeter guys, looking at Belizia is the way I think I would do it. You know, Buddy Heald played great in this matchup. That was when he necessarily wasn't in the doghouse, though. I think they gave him 39 minutes in that in the first time these teams uh, faced off, and he came out here and almost dropped 50 DK points. So he's a right. great option. It's a great matchup. Uh, but outside of that last game against Dallas, he played 31 minutes, which is great. 20 shot attempts. We love to see it. Previous, you know, three games in the bubble, though, or two games in the bubble, we're looking at 20 minutes in each one of those games. So it really depends on how Walton feels that day. Uh, and that's that's the scary part. So, I mean, Buddy Hill makes for a better GPP than cash game. Darren Fox, you can use an either or, in my opinion. Holmes, I'd probably, I'd probably reserve him more for GPPs on just the upside that he actually gets in minutes increase. And, uh, you know, I think Belizia... Probably can be used in, in either or. He's got a pretty decent floor as long as he's seeing 30-plus minutes. Uh, you know, and, and I think he, uh, he dropped about 28 DK points on them in only 21 minutes in the first go-through. So more than a point Do you think Bielita starts again this game or comes up? Well, there? he came off the bench last game for Corey right, Joseph, right. which was shocking. Um, no, I think he'll start just because if they're going to run out Zion in favors, they're not going to be able to get away with putting Harrison Barnes on Zion. I don't think they want to do that. Okay. Um, and it's it doesn't make much sense to start Kojo to space the floor when you're talking about the Pelicans' best asset defensively is their perimeter and their their two guard defenders, uh, with Alonzo and Drew. I mean, I, I'm not a I'm not a coach, but I would probably start Belisa. That's just that's just my take on it. But we'll have to see. We, I, I mean, Walton does some pretty crazy things. The fact that he came out there and started Corey Joseph, which he did start the game off pretty well. Um, right. And I don't and I don't mind Baysmore. I think Baysmore is a guy that I, I always just look at in GPPs. I'll never trust him in cash games. He's a high risk, high reward guy. The price tag's up there, but when once you drop down below 5K on pretty much either team outside of the two guys that we talked about, uh, JJ Redick and I guess Baysmore, um, there's not a lot of upside built into these guys. Corey Joseph, if he's starting, yeah, sure we can look at him. Um, I don't mind looking at him if he's starting, but if he's coming off the bench again, I'll have no interest and in probably it for me in that game. I think Bazemore would probably be my second favorite play on the Kings, just because we he's cheap. He's cheaper than all, all of them. Um, he's playing well in the restart. You know, I, he's going to be in that twenty-four to twenty-eight minute range. Um, I think he would, he he would be the guy I would I would look to to save some salary. 
Yeah, he's just he I mean he's a tournament play. He's it's some some of those days he gets you like six assists, three, four steals, and all of a sudden uh eight points in the actual scoring column doesn't look so bad because he ends up getting you almost thirty in, in DK because of the steals and the, the random defensive stats and rebounds. But right. um it, this guard rotation it's it's basically become whoever's hot. Uh you know, we we I think another reason why we saw Heald play minutes uh, up in the 30s last game, even though he's in the doghouse, was because Bogdanovich was struggling in foul trouble extremely early. Couldn't hit a shot if he felt it, it was bad. Um, he really struggled mightily in that Dallas game, but right, we'll keep it moving. I don't want to sit here and beat on your kinks for too long, man. <laughs> I feel I feel bad. Uh, I don't think you know you can't you can't you can't help yourself. Are you from all, that area? All, all, all I'll say is thank thank goodness I have DFS. That's <laughs> that's all I gotta say. <laughs> so are you are you from near Sacramento? Or are you? Uh, yeah, so I actually went to school at, to, at uh, Sacramento State, and then I grew up about two hours north of okay. Sacramento. So Northern right. California boy. Was it like Weber? Who did it for you? Like you just local team had to do it? Yeah, I mean, I was um, kind of just when I was getting interested in sports and started following teams, it was, you know, the golden era Kings and, you know, Vlade, Vlade Weber, Peja, Baby Christie, like Bobby Jackson off the bench, just... It's just so much fun to watch. I'm and, a big Peja guy. And then you know, I had I've had to endure 13 years of misery as a Kings fan since. But <laughs> hey, <laughs> maybe they'll turn around. You guys got some good young players. Just hopefully, I can't believe they they passed up on Doncic as well. That's crazy. I mean, that's the cherry on top, right? Just yeah. you know, our 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 rookie was was home. Uh, with an injury and we Luca drops 30, 20 and 10 on us. So. <laughs> All right, man. We'll, we'll, we could talk Kings for a while, but uh, you'd probably take enough abuse. Maybe another time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, man. We're going to keep it moving. We got five games left to talk about. We're going to move on to the main slate. No spread available for this one due to injuries. We have the Miami Heat uh, going against the Milwaukee Bucks. As far as injuries are concerned, Jimmy Butler has already been rolled out, dealing with a sore ankle or sore foot. Uh, Gordon Dragic is coming in questionable. Um, he's the one that's dealing with the sprained ankle. So he actually went in for x-rays. They came back negative. Um, he could return, but I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up sitting. So that's the major news that we need to be concerned about on Miami. As far as Milwaukee, uh, nobody's really, you know, considered out right now. Uh, you know, Brooke Lopez was not active Tuesday. Uh, but I don't, I don't necessarily think, I think it was a rest situation. I don't think there was any injury related to it. So he should be back, but... Uh, you know, we just kind of saw exactly what the Bucks did against the Nets. They were okay with losing a game, so I'm kind of proceeding with caution on a lot of these guys. And you got to also keep an eye on Wesley Matthews. He's been dealing with a sore calf. He's most likely going to sit, even though he's listed as questionable. So why don't we talk about this Miami Heat team? You know, with with uh, Jimmy Butler out, possibly Goran Dragic, that's a lot of shot attempts and usage that are going to go around and uh, against a tough defensive opponent. So why don't you tell me where where you're going, if anywhere, on this team? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of one thing I've been weighing this whole slate is, you know, in the two later games we have Portland and Denver, both you know the the Nuggets are on the second end of a back of a back to back. The Lakers are going to be on the second end of a back to back. So you know, you're those are kind of iffy minutes rotation. You know, you might you might see Jokic, um, maybe Jokic rests a game, you know, or minutes limited. Um, so while I don't love ever attacking Milwaukee, I think we kind of have to look here for for some plays. And like you said, just Drogic and Butler are two of the two of the main shot creators on the Heat, and that usage has to go somewhere. And these guys are just so so cheap. Um, we'll have to watch news if Drogic is indeed rolled out. 
but I, th- I think you just go, you just kind of go down the line. I mean, I would, I think I would start with Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, and Kelly Olynyk. Just as incredibly cheap plays, they're going to have the ball in their hands. Um, Nunn and Hero are going to be part of their playoff rotation, so I could see them. They've, you know, the Heat wanting to get them going and kind of getting back into that midseason groove that they were in. Um, and the thing with Kelly Olenek is he did get the big price increase, but these the way the Bucks scheme their defense is they take away the rim and they kind of force you to shoot threes and, and shoot jumpers. Like they they have the best they have by far the best defense at the rim, but they also allow I think the fourth or fifth most shot attempts from three. So these guys like Tyler Hero, Kelly Olynyk, even Duncan Robinson, you know, where most of their scoring value is dependent on three-point shooting, I don't mind taking them in this spot just that just because of the way the Bucks scheme their defense towards players taking threes. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I think all the, I think all these guys are honestly in play, but I think those three, Kelly Olynyk, Kendrick Nunn, or Kelly Olenek and Tyler Hero, if Drogic is ruled in, and then if Drogic is ruled out, I think you add Kendrick Nunn. I think you can add Andre Iggy as a tournament play. I think you can add Jay Crowder in there for just. I mean, I don't know. I kind of like this whole team. Am I wrong? And all these, all these guys below, you know, five K. No, I think I think your analysis was pretty spot on. I like everything that you said as far as uh, their defensive schemes and the way to attack this. The three guys you initially said are the three guys that were on my radar the most. And then uh, Olenek, Nunn, and Hero is, yeah, Olenek got a little bit of a price boost, but if he's going to start and keep starting and playing uh, that amount of minutes, 30-plus, uh, that's still fair price, if not underpriced. Um, and then we look at guys like Tyler Hero and Kedrick Nunn, 4,100 for Nunn, 3,600 on DK for Hero. We're not investing a whole lot into these guys. So right. if it does get out of hand, we're not that worried about it. This is They can still make their value back in this amount of time. Um, and then there's the, off, there's the off chance this game stays close. I mean, who's to say it's not after what just happened in Brooklyn? So I don't mind looking at either one of these guys or any one of those three guys. Uh, you mentioned Jay Crowder. Um, he's another one of them. I, I, I know he doesn't have that big of a usage or a point per minute boost. Uh, the, you know, the two three guys that we're probably going to be looking at the most usage from would be Nun, Robbins, uh, Ron, Nun, Adebayo, and then probably Olenek. Um, all three of those guys average more than a DK point per minute. Adebayo's up to one point three, uh, and then Nun has a twenty six point three percent usage rate. Adebayo twenty two point five, and Hero is twenty six point seven. So those are those three guys. Um, I don't mind out of bio. Just you have to spend on them. That's the thing. And it, you know the Bucks as good as they are defensively. Uh, centers can sometimes fair, do fairly well against them. Uh, mostly just because they don't have that rebounding center. You know, Robin starts. They do. Right. But if Brook does, Brook shies away from the basket. He loves to play that transition, uh, lag behind kind of offense, sit at the top of the key and wait for that three point dump off. But we'll have to kind of monitor that starting lineup. Nonetheless, I think all four of those guys are in play that you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, this these guys, they're just too cheap, right? For guys who are playing in the NBA who are good players, they're all they're all talented players. Like Kelly, Kelly Olenek, yeah, he, like he got the price increase, but he's he kind of contributes everywhere. He's a pretty good rebounder. You know, he's gonna hit threes. You know, he's he had eight assists last game. And you know, so he's a pretty you know, he's a pretty decent passer. And all these guys, they're just going to be on the floor with two of their highest usage players 
potentially off the floor, and they're going to be getting you know twenty eight to thirty three minutes on the floor. You know, it is the best defense, but sometimes you kind of just have to take that context and and use it. Minutes equal money, baby. Uh, yep. You know, if you're cheap enough and you're getting the minutes, you don't necessarily need the average DK point per minute, depending on your price tag. But uh, we mentioned, you know, three, four of those guys. Is there anybody you're willing to run it back with on my, uh, Milwaukee? I think it would just be Giannis. Um, he's just the way he's played in the restart. It's he just he looks unstoppable at this point. You know, I, I do think Miami has one of the better defenders in the league to potentially match up with him in Bam Adebayo. Um, so I think that's how I would, I would use BAM in tournaments is I would do like a Giannis BAM with a couple other heat value plays in there as kind of a, as, as a game stack type of situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, the rest of these guys kind of, unless, you know, unless we get someone ruled out for rest, you know, I'm not, I'm not all that interested in just just, just Giannis, just as a, you know, as it might be a situation where I'm not seeing very many other places for us to spend. So I, I think he could be, I think he could be a good tournament play. Yeah, I think if you're going to play Giannis, you just have to correlate it, like you said, with a guy like Adebayo. Um, you know, I'm, I'm worried about the minutes. I'm honestly worried about the minutes for all these guys in Milwaukee. After seeing them shut down, you know, most of their starters after 16 minutes in that last game against the Nets, I get they're playing a depleted Nets team and everything. Uh, but a loss is a loss, and it doesn't matter if it's against the Nets or it's against the Miami. Milwaukee knows where they're at in the standings. They know that they don't want to risk anybody getting hurt. They're already dealing with something going on with Brooke Lopez, unless it was, in fact, just a rest game. So I'm, I don't have a lot of confidence in any of them. Bledsoe's still working his way back. Um, Giannis, though, anytime that anybody's ever worried about it is when he makes the most sense. There's a lot of studs on this slate. Uh, we're going to talk about Luca. We're going to talk about Jokic, the guys in Houston, the guys in L.A. So there's a lot of a lot of places people to go. And when that's the case, Giannis always ends up low owned. He's going to be the great pivot if you need to use him. And if you're going to play him, just make sure you correlate your lineups. Uh, would you right, Would man. you just keep him in tournaments? Would you Do you think he can get into optimals? I, I, I think I think it would be uh, tournaments for me. Um, okay. Just simply because of the other options that we have, uh, if he did not play, if he played 30 minutes last game, it'd be a different story. But seeing that he played 16, I get the context of the situation going against the Brooklyn Nets G League team, but right. they're not playing for anything. We're kind of seeing that a little bit with the Lakers uh, recently, where you see LeBron is is not really you know playing aggressive. He's not really doing anything but getting his team acclimated and getting them ready, making sure everybody's good to go. Uh, and I think the Bucks are starting to transition to that gear. They played hard the first few games. They might play hard the last game, just as the last prep game or so. But I think they're going to coast for the next few. Next game, though, yeah, but that makes sense. Indiana Pacers going against the Phoenix Suns. We do have a uh, game total of two twenty-eight and a half. We have Indiana being favored by three points. Uh, are, are there is some injury news. Um, Malcolm Brogdon is questionable right now. Sore neck. Um, I'm not really too concerned about it because he's mentioned that, you know, he missed that first game with the sore neck and he said it wasn't a big deal. He felt like he could have played. Uh, so we have to monitor it. Maybe it's a rest thing and they decide to rest him, but he didn't seem too worried about it. So I'm not, I'm expecting him to pretty much play. Um, and then Victor Oladipo looks like he's good to go. So it's just the usual injuries, Jeremy Lamb, uh, Demonis Sabonis. And I think we're supposed to be actually seeing some Goga soon. So Goga's questionable. 
Um, and I know that they're going to want to eventually work him up and get him some run. They want to be able to get some some double big lineups out there without Sabonis, and they're going to want to work on that lineup. So keep an eye on once Goga's back. He's going to be slowly acclimated, play very little minutes, but they definitely want to get him some run once he's back on the court. And as far as Phoenix, uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. is questionable. Uh, again, I, I'd be extremely shocked if he ends up playing. Don't think that's going to be happening. And then it looks like Aaron Baines uh, will be sitting out due to knee soreness. Uh, also probably slightly conditioning, but that's all we have to worry about over there. So, man, uh, you you know, Sonny Santino, he calls him the TJ Warrens. Uh, I'm going to ask you, how do you, you know, who do you like on TJ Warrens, Indiana Pacers? Yeah, I think it's um, kind of the Brogdon free square that we've been getting over the first week where he was, I think he was, 5,400 and like 5,200. Unfortunately, that's pretty much gone. He's up to 6,800. Um, I think I my favorite play is going to be Victor Oladipo at 5,500. Um, just because if, you know, he's there and um, they if they're kind of serious about this restart and serious about getting their playoff rotation going, I think eventually you're going to start to see him get his minutes ramped up. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see him, you know, 30, 32 minutes. And just for the play, the type of player he is, um, he's, you know, he's their, he's their lead ball handler. He's their lead guy. Um, and if the Pacers want to do anything in the playoffs, they, he, I, you know, it kind of rests on how well, what kind of shape Oladipo is in and what, how, how well he's performing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and kind of the rest of these guys, TJ Warren at 8,400 is, I mean, yeah, he's been Michael Michael Jordan in his prime, but I mean, I I don't know. I I can't pay eighty four hundred for for TJ Warren, and he's gonna he's gonna bring a ton of ownership. Um, that's that's to me is just a pretty easy fade. Um, so yeah, I think it's Victor Oladipo. I think it's Miles Turner at sixty two hundred, and kind of everyone else is just a little too expensive. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that you know Brogdon. He's actually he's a little bit of a price increase at 60. I mean, they were they were giving us that free scare before. I think at 68, we can think about it a little bit. Still, a uh, pretty good spot. Uh, Oladipo. I think he makes a little bit more sense for me in cash games. Uh, just not necessarily. We know that we know he's a point per minute guy. Just not knowing exactly what his ceiling could be for minutes. Um, you know, still has the the upside to get you some GPP, like a six or seven, eight x. I could see it happening. Uh, but he just has the 5X written all over him, night in and night out on the games that he's been playing. So I have no issues there. And Man, I, I'm with you on the fade on TJ Warren, but I've never felt, you know, so so worried about doing such a thing, going against his former team and everything. And I mean, he showing just can't him. keep shooting like this, right? Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> right. I I, know. You know what? I, I, said that the, I said that after the first one. Uh, I said that after the second one. Uh, and now here we are, and TJ Warren's 8,400, and he's been playing a boatload of minutes, and he's been taking a boatload of shots. He's been hitting his threes, and more surprisingly, he's been getting the defensive numbers. And I think that's the biggest difference maker in his value is the steals and the blocks. And while I don't think the pace he's on is you know, realistic, um, he's doing it, and it's not a bad matchup either. So I'm not going to necessarily cross him off, but he's not going to be the first guy I'm putting in there. I'll probably be uh, you know, lower, lower on the ownership total. Uh, than the rest of the field, I anticipate yeah. that. But I'll, maybe I'll have I'll probably have him in like a pivot lineup or or two. Uh, it's a good matchup, and there's going to be some other guys on the other side. I have some interest in, but that's really it for me. I'm not you know I'm not really looking at Miles Turner in this matchup. Uh, Aaron Holiday, if Brogdon and Oladipo are both there, he's kind of a little bit of middling of the pack. I don't really have too much interest in him either. 
Yeah, yeah, those kind of everyone else, Brock Holiday, um, Justin Holiday, all those guys kind of just aren't in play anymore if Brogdon and Oladipo are playing. All right, man, what about this Phoenix Suns team? We got some decent price tags on these guys. Anybody standing out to you? Yeah, um, so kind of on our preseason pod, I when when I talked about the Suns, I my my take on them was I didn't really think these guys were gonna get all that extended of a run. I think I thought they were kind of just gonna show up, make sure they stay healthy and get out. But you know, all of a sudden they're let me check. They're just a half. They're just a half game behind the Blazers. You know, they've been. I think they've won, and I think they've won every single one of their restart games. Um, so, I mean, they're they're right in the thick of this thing. So, I th- I think you can start really looking at the Suns and fire them up. Um, you know, it, it is a tougher defensive matchup against the Pacers, but yeah, I mean, eight eight and eight and at seventy two hundred really stands out. And what I really like on DK is he does have that power forward center eligibility, uh, which I think that drastically improves his value. Where you can you know potentially play three centers. Um, I really, I really, and I think Booker is a could be a potential spend in both cash games and form in tournaments. You, uh, you said what I was thinking, man. Eight in the power forward eligibility is is what makes the difference to me. Seventy two hundred, I think, is a great price tag. I don't love the matchup. I don't love the pace. He struggled in this matchup earlier in the season, but it was a little bit of a different scenario uh, when the Pacers clogged the paint with two bigs when they had Sabonis there as well. So. Uh, I have some interest in eight, and I think Booker's always in play. He is pretty much one of those matchup-proof players at this stage in his career where he could just get it done against anybody. Uh, yes, Victor Oladipo is good at defense. So is Malcolm Brogdon. They could throw the kitchen sink at him. Booker could still get his shot up if he wants to. So 8,300 is a fair price tag. And then the other guy that kind of you know stands out to me a little bit would be Cam Johnson. Um, knowing that how much the Pacers are just relying and leaning on T.J. Warren at the four, it uh, just makes more sense for Cam Johnson to see more run than Dario Sarge in this game uh, and probably play close to, you know, 36, 37 minutes. I mean, they've been running this dude hard. And, you know, two games yeah, it's ago. it's been very surprising. I mean, they love him. They absolutely yeah. love him. I mean, there's a reason why he was a little bit of a shocker in the draft when people, you know, saw some of the names that he was taken ahead of. But uh, he's he's a guy that just they talk about his work ethic. They preach about how he does the little things. And a lot of teams love that. He doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't force shots. Um, one thing that, you know, TJ Warren used to get criticized for on Phoenix. So I, I could see him playing a little bit more of the floor. The rebounds have been up the past four games. I wouldn't expect a ton of offense. Decent price tag. I wouldn't go out of my way to jam him in there. Anything yeah, 4900 That's, um, that's a little steep, on, I think, on Cam Johnson. But again, I, you know, I, I think if you're kind of doing a mini game stack here, I think he, he, he's a great piece. I think he's a great piece to add. Yeah, and maybe if you just don't have any, like he's one of those guys I'd fill in last last spot. If I had five k left, I'm looking at some of the options, and um, then that's when he kind of steps into play for me. I'm not going to go on my way to play him. Obviously, I think Aiton or Booker would be one of those types of scenarios, but definitely not Cam Johnson. Upside just not there yet at this stage of his career. A little too shy to, with the shot taking, but we'll keep it moving, man. We have uh, wow, we're at the halfway point. I guess that means we should give a nice quick little quick shout out. To our presenting sponsors at Manscaped, uh, go over to Manscaped, check them out, guys. Use the promo code Hoopball twenty H O O P B A L L two zero to get twenty dollars off your order plus free shipping. If you guys haven't already checked out the Lawnmower three point or all of their great conditioners and other products, I highly recommend it, guys. I speak on it; it is a luxury, and 
your significant others will thank us later. And then we also wouldn't be us if we didn't shout out our good buddies over at my bookie. Um, I've been absolutely crushing my bookie lately, and it's mostly due to the guys over at Hoopball Gaming. Shout out! I think uh, they went about four or five and zero tonight, but Oof. they've been they've been they've been hot, man. And you can just go onto my bookie, use the promo code Hoopball, get the goodies, get the rewards. They match your pro, they match your deposit bonus, and it's free money to play with. So I mean, it's just do it up, guys. Um, I mean, try it out. It's you don't have to bet big. It, it's just fun to do. Especially if you're trying to get a parlay, you know, maybe you lost your GPP. You don't want to do one of those showdown late uh, late lineups. You want to just throw some money on the game. You could do that in NFL, MLB, NBA. You could do them all. NFL's right around the corner, guys. Only a month away, and we will be talking about that as well. So check them out. We have, my man, three games left. Los Angeles Clippers going against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, this game does have a game total of 231.5, with the Clippers being favored by four points. So we will start with them. Montrez Harrell is still going to be away from the team, so he is not going to be playing. And then we also have Patrick Beverly dealing with the calf soreness. He has already been ruled out. So two major players for this team's out. They do have Lou Williams back, but where are we looking for this team? I think I think you just keep going back to the main cogs. They're just I think they're they haven't really had their minutes limited all that much in the restart. Um, other than the blowout game against the Pelicans, uh, kind of seems like Doc is kind of getting these guys ready for what their playoff minute minute expectation is going to be. And um, the Dallas defense has just been absolutely atrocious. Like they they can't stop anybody. Um, so. I think Kawhi and Paul George. The only, the only issue is it's kind of difficult since they're o- they're only small forward on on DraftKings, which is weird with how they do their MPE and why these guys who are two of the most versatile players in the NBA they only have one position. I don't know, but um, I I think it's Kawhi and Paul George. And unfortunately, Reggie Jackson is unplayable at fifty eight hundred. Um, Lou Williams, I just don't think he's going to get on the court enough to pay off that 5K tag. Um, eventually, they're going to start ramping him up. But again, again, I think he's probably going to hang around that 23, 24 minutes for a while. Um, they they beefed up Zubak after his really big game. His, his, um, yeah, up to 4,800. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's I think you just go back to the well on Kawhi and Paul George and take advantage of these really good price tags. That's it, man. I'm with you. Two fantastic price tags. I think both these guys are severely underpriced. I'm not touching Reggie Jackson with a 10-foot pole. It's the price tag. It's also, you know, the fact that Patrick Beverly's out and now that Lou Williams is back, that's only that's only bad news for Reggie Jackson. Uh, there's two scenarios in this situation. He starts and he's playing alongside of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and he gets zero usage. Or he's playing alongside of Lou Williams, who's their known shot taker off the bench, and he's a little bit dip in usage. When I was liking Reggie Jackson was when he was coming off the bench with Patrick Beverly starting and having that whole second unit to himself. So I, right. I'm gonna I'm and now we also have to pay up for him. I'm all set with that. And then you know the only other guy I could possibly consider, which I don't have all that much confidence in, would be like Marcus Morris. Uh, we've been seeing him play a little bit of minutes. Uh, played 36 in the last one against Phoenix and. Did fairly well with 28 DK points. This is a matchup where we know that the Mavs like to run out a little bit of Kleber, a little bit of Dory Finney-Smith and Porzingis. 
Uh, and in that kind of scenario, we'll probably see Morris touch close to 30 minutes, if not maybe a little bit more. So I don't I don't mind checking him out for 4,200. But I really like Paul George, and I really like White Leonard. I'll probably have at least one of these guys in most of my lineups. Yeah, I, I think a uh, good call on Marcus Morris. I didn't realize he was still 4,200. Um, that's, that's just a really great tag. I think he's he's uh, one of those value plays you should be considering in all formats. Yeah, and it's Marcus Morris. So, you know, proceed with caution, guys. He's, right. You know, it, it, he hasn't been gelling too well with this team since he's been there. He hasn't had many big games like we're used to seeing when his days in Detroit's where he, he put up one of these random, you know, 22 in, in like nine games with a steal and a block or so. Uh, those days are done on this team, but at 4,200, I can see him getting you 20 to 25 DK points and, you know, a nice little 5, 6x return doesn't hurt anybody. Uh, Dallas Mavs, man. 11-3 for Luca. Can you pay that? I don't. Uh, this might bite me, come back to bite me, but I don't think so. Um, you know, he's been playing kind of these insane minutes. He's played 44 minutes, 38 minutes, and 42 minutes in his three restart games. Um, I, you know, I understand that's probably what he's going to be playing once the playoffs come around. But I don't really understand w- why Carlisle would keep extending him like that in, in these games. Oh, and I'll tell you kind of the thing with the Mavericks is, you know, they, they're the current, currently the seventh seed, and they're two and a half games behind the Rockets. So it's not all that likely they catch the Rockets for the sixth seed. So they're kind of already locked into uh, into that seventh seed. Um, so, I mean, it's he's the most expensive player on the slate. I think eventually he's going to come down in minutes to you know, you know, thirty, maybe thirty-four, thirty-five range, just just so they don't run him into the ground before the playoffs start. Um, obviously, Luca, he is. The highest one, him and Giannis had the high, and Harden had the highest ceilings on the slate. Um, I think he he you could probably get some decent ownership in tournaments just because people are going to look at you know the one on one individual defensive matchup against Kawhi and Paul George, and those are two of the better guys in basketball who could potentially sell him a little bit. But I think as of now, I will be fading Luca. Okay, man. I don't mind it. I, actually, I'm probably the biggest Lucas stand over here at Hoopball. Um, you know, President Mavs fan as well. And <laughs> it's just a tough matchup, and we're paying a premium. He's coming off a triple double. Uh, he also did hurt his finger in the game. He then, you know, came out for a couple of minutes, came right back in, still played a boatload, and dropped a fantastic triple double. So I don't know how much it slowed it down. Uh, but it's worth noting, and it's just, you know, you, you can't draw up on paper a worse matchup going against two of the league's best perimeter defenders, two of the best lockdown guys that could stick with him and cause him trouble, and he has to go against them. This looks like it could be the, the, the matchup and uh, uh, the preview of what we're going to see in playoffs as well in the first round. If the Mavs do hold on to this, you know, seven seed, they will be going against the Clippers in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, another thing worth noting is maybe Carlisle says, I don't want to throw the kitchen sink at them today because we're going to have to save a lot of the bags and the, the tricks in the bag for that first Good round. Point. So, uh, and you can, you can look at that from both angles, but if I'm Doc Rivers, I'm saying, okay, you know, they have one, they have one tool that can beat us and it's Luka Doncic. How do we stop it? So I'm, I'm with you. I'd actually prefer Porzingis in this matchup at 8,500. 
uh, just knowing that he should be able to have his way with these bigs over here and that Luca's going to have his hands full. Um, it just seems like it's going to be a picture-perfect matchup for a guy like Porzingis. I'm not going to go overboard. He is priced up at 8500 But if I was playing one of the Mavs out of those two, it would probably be Porzingis over Luka Doncic at a point-per-dollar standpoint. And outside of that, man, I'm not touching anything else. Seth Curry is still questionable over here. Uh, actually doubtful at this point, got updated. So, you know, I'm not going to go chasing Trey Burke. Everybody, a couple people went and chased after that big game that he had the first game in the bubble. Right. I'm good with that. I'll, I'll leave that for other people. Uh, and Hardaway Jr., he always has that tournament appeal and upside, just so scoring dependent where, I, I you know, even in the game where he played 42 minutes and, and scored 22 actual points, you know, he didn't even put up 30 DK points because, you know, no steals, no blocks, no assists. Uh, and that's the prototypical games for Tim Hardaway. So you're going to get very, very scoring dependent player. So that's it for me, man. Porzingis, number one play over here. And then, you know, I'm never going to say don't play Doncic, but I probably won't have too many shares of him, if any at all. I think uh, another guy who's kind of kind of being the value consideration for me and potentially a really good pivot off Kelly Olenek at the same price is Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, this, the way the Clippers match up with, um, <coughs> excuse me, Marcus Morris and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they kind of need that, the, you know, the range you defend – defensive ability of Dorian Finney-Smith and he's been rebounding like a fiend Um, and he's just kind of he's just kind of on the floor for a ton of minutes Um, so I'm not sure if he's in cash consideration because I'll probably just play Kelly Olenek at the same price but I think he could be a really interesting uh, tournament pivot off him. Ah, man, I like that call. I didn't even notice the rebounds have been there. I've been watching the games, and I haven't been seeing his rebounds look like that. So that's a great call. Uh, great pivot play, too. Nobody ever owns Tony Finney-Smith. It's just he's so used to not having upside. Everyone just He's usually just a wet noodle. Uh, but if he's right. going to keep getting rebounds like this and double digits, I mean, he, we have to consider him at least a little bit. Uh, good call. I like that, man. So there you go. I trade you, I trade you Marcus Morris for Dorian Finney-Smith, and now we're, uh, we're all set. Hey, perfect. So. Making all the money. That's it, man. We'll keep it. We'll, yeah. Yeah, I doubt either one of those guys end up in either one of our lineups at the end of the day. We'll see. But I just like to keep it as honest as possible. While they're in play, I'd, I'd have to see if I land on them. So far in my in my pre-shell builds, uh, I haven't landed on either one of them just yet. But we have the Portland Trailblazers going against the Denver Nuggets. No line has been released, and that's mostly because of the Jamal Murray news that we will be waiting on. Uh, he missed that last game today. Uh, it's still dealing with a little bit of hamstring soreness, and it's a back-to-back, so we have to keep an eye on it because if he was questionable for today's game, almost played, there's uh, the off chance that they just wanted to rest him on the first half of the back-to-back, and maybe they play him. Either way, um, I probably won't be looking at him. I'm looking at limited minutes. Will Bart and Gary Harris, both are expected to be out as well. And then on Portland, uh, we're good to go. Uh, it's just the same usual guys uh, you know, that have been out, Rodney Hood, Trevor Ariza. So... Take us through this, man. Uh, we'll go through, I guess, the Portland Trailblazers first. Coming off of a big, big game, a big win, Carmelo Anthony, turning back the clock, hitting one of the biggest shots that he's probably hit in the past five years. Uh, I mean, could you could you look at him, 5,600? Do you have any interest in the game-winning Melo? Game, I mean, the dude's on the floor forever. I mean, I and we, we know he can – we know he likes to chuck um, – you know, I, I don't think I'm going there in cash games, but or in, in any sort of optimal build. But I think he's a guy you kind of have to include in your MME mix, just because this Portland this Portland rotation 
is one of the few we can really nail down and be like, okay, they're they're playing like eight guys in the rotation, but really only six are getting big minutes. And they're kind of just rotating through those six main guys. Um, and, you know, 5,600 5, for, you know, a dude who's going to take 14 to 18 shots and be on the floor for 35 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, especially with the kind of a high range, range of outcome player like Melo, um, I'm, I'm in for tournaments. All right, man. I, uh, I, I, hey, listen, he's been playing fantastic ball. The, the shot attempts, they're, they're been solid enough. He gets it done in multiple different ways. Sometimes it's a big rebounding game. Uh, I have a little interest. I'm not going to go overboard on him. Um, I think this is going to be a, a tough matchup for Portland. I mean, the positive news is that it's a back-to-back for Denver and second half of one. And Portland needs to win this game a lot more than Denver. Denver's secretly gripping right up on the Clippers. I think they're only about a half game back from the Clippers at this point. Um, and vying for that two seed might be important to them. So, you know, this, this game has point. a little bit of revel- uh, relevance for, for everybody. Um, so I, I don't think we could just go and assume that Denver's not going to play. Uh, Lillard, a little bit of price stop for me at 9700 But knowing that the circumstances, how great he's been playing, it's Damian Lillard. He's always in play. But there's just a few other price up guys I think I'd be going to. Um, what do you think about Nurkic, though? He's been on a tear, man. We've been seeing the price jump up. He just went from 85. Now he's up to 89. He scored at least 50 points in the three games he's be- played since returning to the bubble, or actually since returning to the NBA. Uh, so why don't you uh, give me your take on Nurkic? Can you can you stomach playing him at 8,900? He does have that power forward eligibility. Yeah, I was just going to say, if he was center only, he'd probably be a little too expensive for cash game construction. But... Kind of, if you kind of think about with, if you maybe play him and Aiton, and you can realistically get four centers on this slate, and there's you know some really great center plays that we want to play, and he's kind of, he's probably the only guy that they're not they don't want to extend into like the mid thirties, mid mid forties, but that doesn't really matter for Nurk. You know, he's he's just one of the best fantasy point per minute players in the NBA. Um, and as, as far as the matchup against Jokic, um, there's some foul risk, and Nurkic kind of does come built in with foul risk immediately. Um, so I I did play around with him in, in some cash game optimal builds. I wasn't quite landing on him, but I yeah, I mean, just I don't I don't think you can really ignore any of these main Blazers guys just. With how locked in their minutes are, just they have they have to play hard every game. You know they're they're right there to get into. Um, I think they're only one game back of the Grizzlies. Let me double check that for the yeah. So they're only one game back of the Grizzlies for the eight seed. Um, so they might not even have to keep fighting for that for that nine seed. Um, yeah, I mean he's. You, you kind of have to start with all these Portland guys and kind of work from there as. As as your your major spends for this slate, yeah, I I think I could I could play Nurkic. I don't mind it. It's it's expensive. Uh, definitely not probably going to be my optimal my optimal build. But I think at that price tag, a lot of people are going to jump off, especially knowing Denver's defense generally pretty tough. But uh, you know, we're talking about a guy going against his former team. You know, he gets up for these types of matchups. Uh, you got to keep in mind at one point Denver chose Jokic over Nurkic. And he played against them in practice. And I think this is a decent matchup. Now that now that uh, Joe gets a little skinny, 
Nurk's got a little bit of weight and muscle on him, so he might be able to push Skinny Jokic around. If it was Chubby Jokic, it might hey. be a different story. <laughs> uh, but I, I really don't the mind. revenge game. <laughs> it's tough. It's not really as much revenge knowing that it's everybody's playing in Orlando. Uh, you know, if it's home court and a little thing is no, different, really. <laughs> uh, that comes in, that comes into play. But you know, I, it, it's just you know the the caveat and the, and the benefit of knowing that he used to practice with these guys. He played with most of them. He knows how Jokic plays. I'm sure vice versa. Uh, but Nurkic, he's he's generally seems like he's that guy that's got something to prove. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get up a, at least a little bit in this one. But that price tag's tough. Um, the power forward eligibility, you said it, is, it's kind of what saves his, his value for me. But then don't, I'm not looking at McCollum. Uh, 7900 It's not a bad price tag or anything. He's just that one dude, man. I struggle to ever get McCollum right. The days I play him are like last game against Houston. Comes out, puts up 35, which isn't a bad game. But yeah. uh, it's not even a 5x return on what we're paying. So I, I don't think I'm going to play McCollum for a little while. If he beats me, he beats me. Um, but I wanted to talk about, I guess, a little bit of Gary Trent Jr. I mean, two back-to-back games where the minutes have been there. Uh, 35 minutes, 34 minutes. Both those games, he's put up at least 22 DK points. Almost like a, a Tim Hardaway Jr. kind of stat line, very scoring dependent. But uh, is he somebody that you can keep in your player pool if you need a little bit of value? Absolutely. Um, again, he's kind of where I started with this site was working through Portland and kind of building from there. Um, it Seems kind of seems like he's he's their kind of their main backup wing for just about everybody that he kind of slots in, you know, subs in for Dame, subs in for Melo, subs in for CJ, and they kind of just move, they just kind of move everyone around to accommodate that. And yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, his he he is a little bit of a a volatile fantasy player just because almost all his value is tied to his three point shooting. Um. So I, I don't know if I'd quite go there in cash games just because, you know, if he shoots two for, two for 12 from three, he's going to have a hard time getting to value. And even last game, you know, he shot four for nine from three for 22 DK points at 4,300. Like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's good. That's not amazing, though. Um, but, yeah, I think he's locked in. I think he's locked into this backup wing role. Um, he's going to play a ton of minutes again um, and kind of – his 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 outcome is real really easy to predict. If he shoots really well, he's he's gonna smash. If he doesn't, he's gonna he's gonna bust. And I think he does have some somewhat of a built in floor just because he's gonna be on he's gonna play thirty two to thirty five minutes. So yeah, I'm in for sure. All right, man. Um, I think yeah, pretty much spot up shooter. That's basically his role at this point. He's not gonna be aggressive when he has either CJ. Uh, or Dame of the core. He's going to defer 90% of the time and wait for his open jumper. Uh, so I don't mind him. I think you hit it on the head more of a GPP than a cash game guy just because of that scoring dependency. If the shot's off, you're not getting anywhere near your value. But uh, let's we'll slide right over, man. Um, I think oh. one guy before we move on to Denver, um, Zach Collins has kind of been a staple of the cash game discussion for basically every game he's played. He's kind of just been, he's been too cheap. Um, he's not doesn't put up a ton of shots. Um, I think this is a little better matchup for him too than Houston and, or Boston, uh, just because Michael Porter Jr. is a little bit bigger. The the Nuggets do do play bigger, so he'll have more people to guard. And this guy, he he does everything on the court. You know, he's he's a good shooter. He can hit the three. He, you know, he's, he's a decent passer. He's a good rebounder. He does get block blocks and steals. Um, so I think, I think that's kind of an easy built-in pivot if you're building lineups 
where I would I would put Zach Collins into uh, kind of your optimal cash teams, and then I think Gary Trent would be a really easy pivot off Zach Collins. Good as well, brother. Be popular. I like it, and uh, you know that Denver does play fairly big, so should be should be getting the minutes no matter what, as long as Millsap's on the court. I don't see what better matchup they'd have than Zach Collins on him. Right. Let's slide right over there then, man. Good call. Denver Nuggets. Uh, Jokic, 95. We just talked about Nurkic. Who would you rather play? Jokic off the back-to-back. I didn't realize, I didn't realize they were only half game behind the Clippers. That kind of changes. Um, you know, if... Depends if you know if they want to play the Rockets or the Mavericks. They're probably a little. Yeah, that's tough. I don't know. I don't know. I would say they'd probably probably rather play the Mavericks. I think the Rockets could just cause anybody problems. Um, While they're so you know one sided, their defense is terrible. The firepower that they have can give anybody a headache. Right. I think I would probably rather play Nurkic just because he does have that power forward center. He's a little bit cheaper. Jokic is coming off the back-to-back. Um, he didn't play a ton. He only played 32 minutes to get today against San Antonio. And But Malone has come out repeatedly and said kind of his goal is to get through this seating process with everyone healthy. Um, so I don't really see how Jokic would get to a minutes ceiling here in this spot. Like, I, you know, I see him closer to maybe like 33, 34 rather than 38-39. So I I think I'm going Nurk over Jokic. I think I'm right there with you. So I'm I'm in the same boat. But I think the big big news, and I kind of buried the lead on this one, is going to be Michael Porter Warren. Uh, (laughs) Michael Porter Jr. doing his best TJ Warren over the last two games, just coming out, laying the world on fire. Uh, shooting fantastic, 57% today, and then shot seven, uh, 75% against OKC. Put up more than 50 DK points in both those games, and he comes in at $200 of an increased salary from today. Uh, man, he's going to draw a lot of ownership. He's going to draw a lot of attention, and it almost feels like I'm getting smacked in the face with another TJ Warren situation where it's like, you know, everything in my GPP mind tells me to hop off, but... Right. Um, I love this kid. I mean, I've been I've been counting him for quite some time. I think he fell in the draft. Yes, obviously he had injuries, and that was the reason why. But this is a guy that at one point was getting talked about like the first overall pick. Um, so I, I'm all for Michael Porter Jr. I think he's going to be a, an absolute stud, a future All Star for uh, many years to come. I think all of that is going to happen. He already looks like he's the second best option on the team next to Jokic, even when Jamal Murray comes back. So. Yeah, he's been absolutely incredible. Like the the shooting is going to regress, but kind of what you love is he's he has twelve rebounds and fifteen rebounds in the last couple games. So while he's kind of cleaning up the glass, while Jokic is doing his playmaking thing, um, yeah, I think I think the big difference though here is price. Like with TJ Warren, TJ Warren has to be your building block piece, and then you know Michael Porter Jr. at sixty four hundred. You know you can have. A couple studs and you know porter is kind of your mid-tier player in a lot of these lineups he's you know he's not that same he's not that same price tag um yeah he gets a much much better matchup it's up up tempo up tempo um against portland he has mellow defending him you know skinny mellow bubble mellow whatever you want to call him but it's like i'm 
I love attacking Melo on defense at this point in his career. Um, yeah, I think Porter is. Porter was after you know looking at Portland, he was kind of the, he was the next guy in for me. Um, just he's he's really he's he's locked into this role right now, and I don't. He's one of the young guys. I don't think he's really going to be affected all that much by. Um, you know, a minutes limitation, you know, maybe they're a little bit cautious with his injury history, but, you know, the 44 minutes and 36 minutes, that kind of suggests otherwise, you know, if they were really worried about limiting him at all. Um, I think the one one uh, other thing in favor of Porter is Malone came out yesterday, before yesterday's game, about Murray, Harris, and Barton, that they, those guys would miss the game if it were a playoff game so it wasn't a situation where they were just kind of being cautious with these guys I think these guys are actually hurt you know they're not really all that close to being ready or you know they're just they're just not ready to come back um, so maybe even if those guys did come back or if Murray did Murray did come back. I think he would be on a pretty severe minutes limit. So I don't think that would eat too much into Porter's usage that he's had the last couple games. I'm with you. I I think no matter what, he's going to get his shot attempts at this point. Um, Malone also came out and pretty much said, like, can you guys, He I think his quote was, he was talking to reporters, like, can you believe that this guy did not make the Rising Stars game? Like, it just made no sense to him. Uh, he knows what kind of stud that he has on his hands. He knows how talented Michael Porter Jr. is. So uh, I think he's going to utilize him as much as he possibly could. He has the youth. He has the fresh legs. He has everything else going for him. Um, not necessarily worried as much on, on a back-to-back for a guy like him. Um, guys I'd be worried about would be more like Paul Millsap and guys like that. And even Millsap, he only played 16 minutes uh, during today's game. So uh, did not have to get a full complement of minutes, so he should be probably ready to play. I wouldn't expect a ton of minutes from him either, though. Maybe around that 26 to 28. Decent, you know, cash option. Doesn't necessarily have a ton of GPP upside. I think you're looking at like a 30-point ceiling from him. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think we have to talk about Monte Morris as long as Jamal Murray's out. It just seems like he's locking in. Uh, feels like a fantastic cash game option. Back-to-back games with 30, 30 points on the dot um, and 35 plus minutes in both those games. So that's probably it for me. Jeremy Grant, uh, decent option. He played 30 minutes in back to back games. Uh, but as long as him and Millsap are both healthy, they're going to eat into each other's value. Yeah. I mean, Grant and Millsap, I think that sort of just feels like a who's playing better and whoever's playing better gets the minutes sort of a situation. Um, and I definitely agree on Monte Morris. You know, forty. We, we he was a he was a free square, a couple games ago when he was thirty five hundred. Um, he actually went down in price for a much better matchup, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. You know, just forty seven hundred for a starting guard and a guy who kind of he just has to play. If Mary's, you know, they're the Nuggets are so thin on wings that you know it's. 35 minutes, starting guard, good defensive matchup. It's like it doesn't really matter who the name is. Like that's that's just kind of who we're looking for in optimal lineups. All right, brother. We'll keep it moving for the last game of the night. Uh, no spread for this one either, and it's because we have major injury news to talk about with the Houston Rockets going against the Los Angeles Lakers. Russell Westbrook is questionable, uh, and he's dealing with a bruised right quad. So – you know, we don't like to see it. Um, 
anytime Westbrook is questionable or sitting, we know what the chalk is, uh, and it's James Harden. Uh, you know, I think we should just get it out of the open. Eric Gordon's out as well. He's going to have more usage than he knows what to do with. The shot attempt should be there. I don't care about the matchup. I don't care about how important the game is to either team. Uh, we know D'Antoni is going to play James Harden 34-plus minutes. He does it, he'll do it in a preseason game. Why wouldn't he do it now? And if he's right. 10-7, that's an underpriced price tag for a guy that could have a usage rate of close to like 45% on, on a night with Westbrook out. So um, I'll look at Harden if Westbrook's out. I think we can look at Harden even if he's in, but uh, or yeah, if Westbrook's in, but probably would uh, you know ease back on him if, if Westbrook is in. I think there's a few other guys that we mentioned that have, you know, very capable ownership and deserve so. So uh, that's pretty much it for me, though. I mean, if Westbrook's also out, you know, we see Austin Rivers and Ben McLemore and Jeff Green. They, they'll all get a bump. Um, the, the usage is going to have to get distributed. I imagine Jeff Green will take his shots. Um, you know, remains to be determined whether it be Austin Rivers or Ben McLemore that joins the starting lineup. If it's Ben McLemore, um, I don't mind looking at Ben McLemore. I prefer him over Austin Rivers just because we know Ben McLemore is not going to be uh, shy to shoot. But both of them near minimum salary price. If either one of them starts, uh, they become viable options, especially in cash games. Agreed. Um, I think what where we can kind of take advantage if, you know, we – People just really follow the news, and um, they kind of plan for Westbrook being out. Is the good thing is we we do have viable pivots, you know, in the Portland game because I assume we'll we'll find out before then where you can go down to Dame, and then people are just going to want to play Giannis. They're going to want to play Luca, so they're, they're not going to leave. They're not going to leave room for Harden, and there isn't enough value really to play two of these super studs on this slate. Um, so kind of my initial builds were leaning towards leaving room open for Harden, leaving room um, potential, you know, for Damian Lillard as kind of my two priority spends of the slate. And then, you know, if, you know, we do get that Westbrook news kind of later on in the day, you know, that's, that's just Yahtzee over people who decided to play Giannis or Luka as their super mm. spend. I like um, it. And I guess one question in tournaments, would you rather, I guess in cash games too, because this is kind of a question I've been thinking about is, would you rather play house or Kelly Olenek? Uh, I'd probably go Kelly. Uh, just, you know, the fact that Kelly is a little bit more aggressive. Uh, Daniel house may get a slight, slight bit more usage with all these other guys out if Westbrook, you know, Gordon out, but he's still not that assertive. He needs the rebounds to really fall his way. Uh, so I'd probably lean Kelly O, but I think that's also the way a lot of other people would lean. So Kelly O is probably the better cash game. If you wanted to pivot off him, I guess you could look at house and tournaments, but I'd probably still prefer Kelly O in tournaments as well. Yeah, I think um, I think that's a good call. I, if you're just looking for that ownership leverage in you know, the large field lottery, I think getting to a guy like house definitely makes sense, especially if we get that rust out. You know, There's just going to be more shots around to go for all these guys yeah and I, I mean Covington would also see a decent amount of usage it's gonna be a tough matchup for him uh but 6,500 is not a bad price tag if Russell Westbrook is out so he's definitely a viable option I don't expect him to draw a lot of ownership people are just gonna say well he's going against Anthony Davis I want nothing to do with that but um it's still not a bad price tag for the usage he's he's a guy that gets it done defensively he can do the rebounds. He can do the steals, blocks. He gets it done so many different ways that if he's going to get a couple more shot attempts, it only gives him a little bit more upside. So uh, wouldn't gravitate towards him 
you know, a whole lot, but I, I definitely could see myself having to share two of them in the lineup that maybe I'm not playing hard in. Probably wouldn't pay him together, but if I'm paying up for one of those other guys and I still want some decent exposure to this game with Westbrook being out, that's kind of where he steps into that role for me. And I think another thing with, with Cummington um, is I think he'd be one of the guys, if Westbrook was out, to kind of take on some more shot attempts. And he's the same. He's $100 more than Michael Porter Jr., who we think is probably going to be the one of the highest-owned players on the slate. So I mean, once again, in your MMV builds and your tournament builds, if you're look, if you have a super chalky lineup, and you know you're looking to differentiate, I think Robert Covington, because um, we should have that news by then that you know if Russ is sitting, uh, sitting the game or not, you know he's Covington's another one of those guys where he can just he has a huge range of outcomes that you know he can get a bunch of those box and steals and hit a bunch of threes that you know it's conceivable he can beat Porter in the, uh, Porter's outcome at just a fraction of the ownership. Oh, yeah, easily. I think that's a great call. That's, a, that's actually a really great pivot. Um, nice mention. What about this L.A. team? Anybody over there? I mean, it's usually no. the two major players between Davis and LeBron, <laughs> but, I mean, I've been – I've been staying away from these guys with everything that's been going on as far as minutes and usage. I think, you know, I don't mind looking at if I preferred one of them, it would be Davis in this matchup because he could really abuse them into the ground if he wanted to. Um, played great against them in the first matchup, dropped 66 DK points in 40 minutes. So that's probably it, though. Kyle Kuzma, uh, he's been playing fairly well, but we have so many options in that 4K range or so where I, I would just prefer, I think Davis is really the only guy I'm looking at on this team. Yeah. I mean, I think if there's a team or candidates um, for guys who you, we might get a surprise hit tomorrow, I think someone on this Lakers team could, could, would be, would be the favorites. Um, even then, I just, I just don't think they really care all that much about these seeding games anymore. I think it's more of a, Especially, you know, we're still what I think everyone still has like four or five games left. So, you know, they're not really ready to start really ramping these guys up to playoff minutes yet. Um, I think they're more worried about staying healthy. So even if these guys do play, I think you're looking at maximum 32, 33 minutes. When, you know, we have Harden is a couple hundred dollars more. You have Luca, who's about you know, a thousand to eight hundred dollars more. Giannis. Uh, I'd rather go to Dame. I'd rather go balanced. Um, yeah, I just I, I don't I don't see I don't see why you, you would prioritize LeBron or Davis at these tags. No, I can't knock you for it. I think Davis will probably see a decent decent low ownership compared to a lot of these other guys. So um, I could see him if Westbrook plays being a really solid solid pivot to you know those people who just plugged in James Harden. Uh, expecting Westbrook to sit. He ends up playing. Um, I can see that happening. I can see Davis being a decent pivot. I think I, in, a, in a vacuum, I'd still prefer Harden. Um, but this is a fantastic matchup for him. I mean, they really have nobody to match up with his size. If they wanted to run him at the five, he can just eat P.J. Tucker for lunch. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Davis is obviously one of the guys who can, he can get there in 30 minutes. Um, but it's... You know, for cash games especially, I'm completely out. I think, you know, in tournaments you can do it in like a 50,000-person tournament, just, you know, the MME lottery. I think having a little bit of Davis definitely makes some sense. But just in single entry, three max cash games, 
um, the, the Lakers are kind of they're just a fade for me. All right, brother. Well, that's it. We uh, we'll we'll round this up. We've already been going pretty long, so uh, we appreciate everybody for listening. I think we got a pretty good understanding. This looks like it's gonna be a pretty fun slate too. So, um, you know, if you guys have a sec, if you guys give us a rate, review, thumbs up, all that good stuff on iTunes, uh, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, Podbean, iHeartRadio, wherever you might be listening, we really appreciate that. And then give us a follow on Twitter. You can find me at Michael Patria, M I K E A P O T R I A. And uh, Aaron, why don't you let the good people know where they can find you? Yeah, I'm at Asmus, Asmus Sports, A-S-M-U-S-S-P-O-R-T-S on Twitter. All right, man. Well, it was great having you on. I look forward to, uh, you know, us speaking some more on some more shows. And again, uh, you know, Aaron's going to be doing a lot of our layup line uh, daily articles for our premium uh, subscribers. So for those uh, who just can't get enough of his good takes, mm-hmm. he had a lot of them tonight. Uh, check out those articles, guys. You will you'll be happy you did, and they're filled with little nuggets of information. So that is all we have for you guys over here at Hoopball. Uh, thank you for listening for DFS today. We'll be back tomorrow, and we'll be looking to crush it and take down some more tournaments. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.